Well, you know these guys? I sure do. They know you. Much respected. Tremendous. They are rootsy. Yep. They are... They got it going on. They, yeah. That's they're happening. Was, that's what... They're happening. They work hard. They play hard. They, they play hard. They work hard. They look good. They feel they, good. That, yeah. It could have said the same Pretty thing. much all you need. Apple Podcasts. Spotify. SoundCloud. The Wrestling Life. Hey everybody, it's the Wrestling Life. It's episode 231. It's April 9, 2020. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Liam, happy 6th anniversary doing this program. <laughs> and we have so much oh, to talk yeah. about. This. We have so much to talk about this week. And as always, so many things that we can't talk about. WrestleMania happened this past weekend, even though it didn't really feel much like a WrestleMania. And there's a fair bit of pro wrestling news to talk about this week, even though pro wrestling is like the last, the least important thing <laughs> on planet Earth right now. But uh, let's just go chronologically. I know you don't have a lot of WrestleMania thoughts, uh, but hey, they put the title on Drew McIntyre, and they babyface my favorite wrestler in a company that categorically hates baby faces and finds ways to ruin them. Sure. And um, I guess that's uh, Braun Strowman beat Bill Goldberg. Why, I don't know. <laughs> they just, Bill, want to go home. Bill just want to go home? I mean, I think they don't want to spend $2 million <laughs> a match for Bill. But That's fair. But also, like, it's not gonna. It's not like we're, we're gonna. It's gonna be business as usual anytime soon. Right. <laughs> so I, the shows I, would not be demonstrably better or worse <laughs> if Bill Goldberg is still the champion and is like off TV or cutting promos on his iPhone or whatever they have to do. Right. I mean, we're we're four four months away from SummerSlam, which may or not may or may not be able to happen in an arena anyway. So it's like, I, I don't know why they didn't just hold off and do Roman and Goldberg at a later date. But I suppose they still could, it just won't be for the title. But Braun Strowman uh, as champion does not inspire a lot of, I don't know, joy. <laughs> that big idiot who lost to a manager two weeks ago. He lost the Intercontinental title to Sam Zayn. Yeah, now he's the champion of the entire universe. Well, tremendous. I guess just big picture thoughts. What do you think of uh, Empty Arena WrestleMania? (laughs) Yeah, look, everybody tried their best. Uh, I don't think there are a lot of people you could say were not putting in maximum effort on the show. But I will say, and we'll get into some specifics in a minute here, there are two math. There were really only two times where, if if you listen in all of the like interviews and stuff, Triple H in full PR mode was talking about, you know, we're just trying to give the give the fans something to take their mind off of it. <laughs> Let me just tell you, watching empty arena wrestling matches and empty gymnasiums does not take my mind off of the coronavirus. <laughs> it makes me think about the coronavirus a lot. <laughs> um, so, but 
the more some of the more cinematic flair that we saw this week did in fact uh, I thought was genuinely entertaining and did take my mind off of it. Uh, so I would say that as an entertainment product, it was not good as far as helping me, helping to distract me because all you can think about is, well, that would be better in front of a crowd. Wow. Imagine that entrance in a, in an arena with 60,000 people. Oh man, that might've been cool under a different, (laughs) in a different location than an empty gymnasium in Florida. So that was kind of my general thoughts was that it's look, I appreciated the effort and I thought there was some pretty good stuff on it, but uh, this will not be one that I will rewatch anytime soon either. That's, that's, that's more than fair. Uh, I'd like to point out that uh, not that this was an especially bold prediction, but I predicted the exact match layout of the Drew McIntyre, Brock Lesnar match. <laughs> I I am ready to see a different kind of main event in WWE. <laughs> well, especially because it was the it was the same exact <laughs> thing as the Strowman Goldberg match, just like a minute longer and slightly better, <laughs> like slightly more athletic. Yeah, yeah, there's that. But hey, they uh they're going all the way with Drew again. Strange time to do so. Giants. That's right. They did the uh, the WrestleMania uh, season tradition of rolling out a big stinky giant for the top babyface to steamroll on his way to winning at WrestleMania. This year, it was actually one of the original big stinky giants. <laughs> the big stinky giant, the big show, who technically, as you pointed out to me off the air, made event at WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, why the hell not? <laughs> I, I actually thought Big Show was like the best Big Show. Well, he should have retired after that Braun Strowman cage match on Raw like f- four years ago. Yeah. Which was, which was great. But uh, this is one of the better Big Show matches in forever. I just don't know, A, why they did it that way. B, why they didn't just go ahead and play it at the end of WrestleMania on Sunday. Uh, C, why... <laughs> why they didn't advertise the fact that Drew McIntyre would be defending the title for the first time on Raw on Monday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just a lot of very, very puzzling things surrounding the Big Show, but I thought it was actually a pretty good Big Show match by standards. <laughs> yeah, so that was the most interesting thing to me, is instead of just having Big Show come out and on Raw and say, hey, let's have a title match tonight, and then Drew, the fighting champion, say, okay. They instead had, they pretended, or maybe they actually filmed it this way, they did the Drew Brock match, and then filmed this confrontation with Big Show and Drew, leading to a match with Big Show and Drew, and did the match, but then they didn't air the match until the end of Raw, but they didn't tell you what happened, like, to whet your appetite. They didn't say, like, oh, Drew McIntyre put the title online a second time last night. <laughs> They're just like, check out this shocking footage coming later tonight. Yes. Something happened. <laughs> yes. Um, and it, it was all very bizarre. And I, I was thinking, like, logistically, like, could Big Show... I know they taped the most of Raw, or maybe all of Raw, before WrestleMania. Like, maybe logistically, Big Show couldn't get there until... Uh, the days they were taping WrestleMania, 
Although that again, that doesn't still doesn't necessarily explain why he uh, they didn't just show that as part of WrestleMania. Why they <laughs> didn't talk about it for a full twenty four hours before just throwing it on the end of Raw this week. But I mean, that was the only as far as like why it happened, quote unquote, at WrestleMania. That was the only one I thought of. Like maybe he was unable to get there in time for them to film it as part of raw so they just filmed it during, on the same night they filmed mania or whatever yeah it was that that part of it was was very odd but hey uh moving on from i don't know monday Night raw was kind of a just an absolute slog to get through um i feel like of the three hours about 90 minutes was an Aleister Black Apollo Cruise match. <laughs> About seventy five minutes was the Street Profits and Bianca Belair against uh, Zelina Vega and her boys, and then the Big Show match was the rest of the show. But uh, uh, I guess coming out of Monday Night Raw, hey Bianca Belair's on Raw now. Uh, I guess she's not. She's just not going to get a run with the NXT title, and we'll go straight to the main roster to to be ruined. <laughs> I was like, it's funny because I, I think we've talked about it on the show before. I think I think we both are pretty big fans of hers and think she's got a lot of potential. Um, but yeah, it's hard not to feel like even if this was a normal raw, the fact that they're bringing her up to be part of a street profits act. <laughs> Uh, tells me that they don't realize how good she is, or at least one person doesn't. Although based on the way she was booked in NXT, I don't, I don't know. Maybe nobody does. <laughs> um, I mean, just for 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 whatever faults she has, like that maybe she's a little bit green as a wrestler. She is dripping with charisma, and she's perhaps quite literally the best athlete in the entire company. <laughs> like, yeah, like what? What more do you want, man? But <laughs> Great question. Um, so, I mean, yeah. Potentially, she could do some really cool, interesting things. You know, Becky Lynch needs new challengers. But it appears she's going to be in a mixed tag feud. Wrestling <laughs> manager. Yes. Yeah. So, I'm, I, my hopes are not high. And again, just the fact that this was also happening in an empty gymnasium. Uh <laughs> just brings it down another notch on top of that so good luck hope would love to be proven wrong would love to see her be very successful but uh yeah let's just say she has a lot working against her indeed indeed um moving on here coming out of wrestlemania everyone i think saturday night wrestlemania was the much better show than the sunday night show and most people really liked the Boneyard match, which I will not be sanctioning. <laughs> I maintain that stance even after watching the thing. Uh, it was way, 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 way better than I thought it was going to be. I thought it went too long for what it was, but hey. Uh, they have found a way to hide all of the things that make the Undertaker matches sad. And I didn't. I never expected them to be creative and think outside the box, and do something like that. So I thought that was a pleasant surprise. 
there were it was the first of three cinematic experiences on WWE television this week. The other two being the Firefly Funhouse match on Sunday, which I also which I chose to sanction and you chose not to sanction. And looking back now, I wish I had not sanctioned that match. <laughs> and then the NXT uh, television show this this week, where Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa wrestled for, I don't know. I think the match went for like three days. Uh, um, so lots of things to unpack here in terms of outside-the-box thinking, creative ways to shoot matches, cinematic presentations. What are your thoughts on all these elements? Okay. Um, Applaud the creativity, first and foremost. Because, as you mentioned, this is not a company that likes to think outside the box in really any capacity very (laughs) often. So I think the fact that they were even willing to do some wacky stuff, I think that's that's worth a thumbs up. Um, I liked the AJ and Undertaker match. I would agree that it was a little too long. There was a few sections that were a little too much, just two guys punching each other in a dark area. <laughs> yes. Um, not as bad as the, uh, we'll get to Edge and Randy Orton later, but, <laughs> um, but it was, there's a little too much of that. But that being said, there was wacky music and creative camera angles and pyrotechnics, uh, Luke Gallows shouted, who's the ass clown now, very loudly, <laughs> uh, which was very funny. Um, so I, I, it, uh, it had a little bit of uh, a little bit of everything. Only thing it was min- missing is they played some stupid Metallica song instead mm. of Limp Bizkit, and I think that was a big mistake for Biker Taker's entrance <laughs> and exit. Um, but uh, other than that, I thought it was a, a pretty fun experience, and... Uh, enjoyable. And again, to your point, very creative way to, as we say they often don't do, they hid all of the Undertaker's weaknesses <laughs> and accentuated his strengths uh, yes. very well. Yes. And it worked out as well as I think it possibly could have, and probably worked out way better than if they had tried to have a wrestling match in front of 60,000 people. So, oh. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, so, for sure. Yeah, really good job on that one. The Funhouse match. Yeah. Um, it was very creative. <laughs> and I laughed at a lot of the insider res- references. Sure. Uh, the Vince McMahon puppet shouting, this is such good-ish, uh, was really funny. Um, the meta commentary of John Cena as the Hogan figure who never turned heel was interesting. Yeah. I just, Mm -hmm. I don't think pro wrestling is ready for dream sequences yet. (laughs) Like, like, which is funny because there's so much absurd stuff in the boneyard match, but it's still at the end of the day was like two guys fighting in an exotic location. Right. (laughs) Like it's still plausible that undertaker and AJ styles, these two dumb Republican hicks, would drive to a boneyard and fight each other, and he would and Undertaker would get some of his stupid Republican friends to light off fireworks in the background when he drove off on his motorcycle. Like I can still I can buy that I can buy all of that, 
I don't think I can buy that somehow the Fiend has magic powers that allow the cameras, the WWE camera crews to see inside of John Cena's mind as he mentally attacked him over and over again and took him took us through a John Cena memory uh, album. I don't know. It's <laughs> it was just a little too conceptual for me. I'm not saying like if you I'm not don't want to take it away from anybody who liked it. Like I said, there were parts of it. I found it very entertaining, but I thought at a certain point, like a lot of Bray Wyatt stuff, it just started to get a little bit into a little too self-indulgent and a little bit too much. Uh, yeah. I don't, like I said, I just don't know that pro wrestling is ready for dream sequences yet. <laughs> it's a more than fair criticism. And then how about the, I guess this doesn't quite fit, but I guess one plays into the other. Uh, this was not, shot the same way, but it was about as long as a feature film. Uh, Edge and Randy Orton at WrestleMania, they went 30-something minutes. It's the only bad Edge match I've ever seen. What'd you think of that one? Yeah, it was awful. <laughs> and it's Edge, who I would agree uh, very rarely has ever had bad matches in his career. And Randy Orton, who I swear is a good worker, even though I can't remember <laughs> the last time I saw him have a good match. <laughs> Um, and yet, speaking of guys just walking around punching each other for 40 minutes, that's basically what this was. Um, and also when you don't, it's like when you do the big spot and then the guy's down selling, but you don't have a crowd to cut away to, or for the other wrestler to gesture to while the other guy's down selling, and you just have to listen to a guy going, uh, uh, for like, you know five minutes it's not it's not doesn't make for great television um so yeah could have done with an edit i think there's probably like seven or eight minutes of good stuff <laughs> in that 40 minute match uh that maybe if it had been edited down would have been maybe really entertaining but uh also hey maybe just as a general rule uh maybe we don't do hanging or strangulation spots ever again and maybe especially not ones that involve exercise equipment. Just a thought. Like on the week, literally the week that a Chris Benoit documentary was was yes. one of the most talked about things in the wrestling business. Now, my thought when watching that was, okay, here's the plausible deniability that they're going to have is that Edge like had his arm in the pulley as yeah. well and it's like but to me if you are setting up a spot so that you have plausible deniability <laughs> there's something seriously wrong with you <laughs> agreed um like, like i don't know if you're if you know how chris benoit killed himself which is he hung himself with the pulley on lat pull down machine or whatever it was <laughs> yeah it's like, it's the first thing you think of when you see guys messing around with a pulley on a weight machine on a wrestling show. Like, what? That was absolutely bizarre. Absolutely yeah. bizarre. Yeah. No no question. It was very bizarre. And then my maybe my favorite spot in the whole match, there's two. Uh, there's, while they were fighting and the exercise equipment and... Uh, Edge like grabs onto the bars and like monkey bar swing kicks Randy Orton like he's Robin in the night in the Adam West Batman show. 
yes. or something. I thought that was very funny. And then the spot where apparently in the NXT like meeting room where <laughs> Hunter, where Paul and William Regal <laughs> and Road Dog sit around, uh, and Shawn Michaels plans out his latest masturbatory uh, melodramatic <laughs> uh, agenting. Um, we uh, there's just chain link fence on the ceiling in that room for some reason and so edge climbed that and dropped an elbow on it and yeah. uh, i just wish jerry lawler had been there to tell me he was like spider-man because <laughs> you know he would have said it it's a gr- that was that was a great spot that was no, a great it was spot. very creative like i said there was yeah. like there was a good eight minutes of good stuff in this 40 minute match yeah um uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I appreciate again appreciate the effort. Nobody can say they didn't work hard, right. but um, and if you have a crowd reacting and ooing and eyeing to all this crazy stuff, um, it could have been something special. But as it was for Edge's first singles match back in a decade, you know, it was a, a pretty big, uh, you know, pretty big letdown. I think that's fair to say. Sure. NXT television this week was built around. It was obviously it was built around you know the end of the Gargano Champa feud, and they had the women's ladder match there too, which was, you know, it was pretty good for an empty arena ladder match, I guess. <laughs> um, of the two empty arena ladder matches we saw in the last five days on WWE <laughs> television, I think this one was my favorite. I I just don't like anything involving the Miz and John Morrison. Like, I have nothing personally against either one of those guys. <laughs> but, like, I see them and it's just, my brain just turns off. <laughs> like, that and well, the, the finish to that ladder match at WrestleMania is the laziest, dumbest, worst, most nonsensical finish ever. Where all three guys grabbed the belts and then Morrison just kind of yanked and yeah. pulled the belts with them. Yeah. And he won, even though he yeah. didn't unhook the belts? Yes. <laughs> that was really dumb. Anyway, so Gargano Ciampa was was the uh, the, the focus of NXT TV this week. They built it up for, for a couple weeks. Good video packages, pretty good promos. Triple H got involved. Their, their dad showed up to give them a stern talking to. Yes. <laughs> Single dad just trying his best. Right. for his kids and they i don't know i did not i had this playing in the background <laughs> i know it went through several commercial breaks i don't know if it got a full hour i don't know you could tell me this thing went 90 minutes and i would believe you uh but gargano champa was the third cinematic wrestling match of the week at wwe they shot it like a movie and what did you think? <laughs> well, I hate to sound like a broken record. Uh, appreciate the effort. <laughs> um, they worked very hard. Um, but it was so long. And once again, when you, it's a big, one guy does a big move, other guy lays there and sells. And when you don't have a crowd to cut to or, or whatever, it's very, it's very easy to zone out or get bored watching guys kind of writhe on the ground groaning (laughs) unless you're into that and you know more power to you if you are but i'm not so 
Um, I just, it felt to me like, uh, and it's just very, it felt, there's a few spots like when, when Gargano grabs Ciampa's hand for some reason and it just holds on that shot. And I was like, man, for every good thing Shawn Michaels did for the wrestling business, he did like eight terrible things that have made this <laughs> business a much worse place. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, just, it was very, very melodramatic. Uh, and again, that's still strong effort. And then at the end of the show, uh, this, they, they, this is actually very similar to the Gargano turn on the takeover show. So I guess it, fitting in some ways yeah but johnny gargano had this great evil plot where his wife uh, <laughs> aunt, aunt candace yes. was gonna come in and pretend like she doesn't want anything to do with this and in fact that she's so upset she's going to kick him in the groin before leaving waiting for champa to turn his back on her and then she's gonna run back in kick champa in the balls and then it'll be revealed that johnny was wearing a cup Whereas Ciampa, of course, wasn't, and therefore it was this plot. And in fact, Aunt Candace is now a bad, a bad person. Right. She's joined with her husband. But instead of doing that, like in minute one, we we she let her husband get the crap beat out of him for like forty-seven minutes, yes. and then she did it. Yes. Much like when Johnny finally turned on uh, Ciampa at the last takeover. That was in like minute 37 of Adam Cole versus Tommaso Ciampa after Adam Cole had kicked out of like air raid crashes through tables and pile drivers and all this crazy stuff. And then finally at the end, at minute 37, when a ref is finally bumped, Johnny runs down and hits him with the belt and costs him the match. It's like, well, if you wanted him to lose, shouldn't he have done that like much, much earlier in this whole thing? Right. right. So I couldn't quite turn my brain off on on that part of it so i thought again appreciate the effort execution was not for me and the finish was stupid and also the fact that this company has people like dakota kai bailey <laughs> candace loray io shirai uh, asuka kairi sane and they are all heels right now uh is like the biggest indictment of this company not knowing how to book baby faces because these are like these are all can't miss slam dunk easy good good guy characters that you all had had to or decided to turn because you just completely beat the fans <laughs> over the head with how much they weren't worth their time and like m- turning Candice LeRae there I was I I started to laugh <laughs> because it was like despite the fact that Candice LeRae is one of my favorite wrestlers in NXT and I think she has a lot of potential as a babyface character. I just thought it was so funny because like, well, there's another can't miss, you know, impossible to mess up character that they've just turned heel for no reason because well, we didn't have anything for her because <laughs> Charlotte is the NXT champion for some reason. <laughs> and uh we we just we just don't have a place for like a <laughs> For, a, for someone that has, like, the most genuine and, like, the best, like, babyface character imaginable. Uh, we just we just can't figure out what to do with that. So we're, we're going to turn her heel, and she and John are going to feud with Killer Cross and Scarlet Bordeaux or whatever. Great. How exciting. Let's go down that list again. Uh, Aunt Candace. Uh, yes. Johnny Gargano. 
Dakota Kai, Bailey, yeah. Sami Zayn, mm-hmm. Asuka, mm-hmm. Kyrie Sane. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone else you mentioned? Yoshirai, I think. Yoshirai, yep. That's another good one. These are Nakam- all... Nakamura. Yeah, yeah. These are all slam dunk baby faces that are not baby faces. <laughs> because yep. this company has no earthly idea how to book a baby face. Which is like, and the fact that this keeps happening in NXT is like, that's when I get a little nervous around this, when we still, <laughs> like, because there's still, like, the talking point still exists that, well, when Hunter takes over, things will get better. I was like, depends on your definition of better, I think. I think there will be some things that will be better, but if you think suddenly WWE is going to be a babyface territory again when Papa Paul takes over, if he takes over after his <laughs> demotion or whatever happened recently... uh. I think you got another thing coming. Yeah, he's not in charge of talent relations anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's well, not, you know, he's focusing on something else. He's focused just on NXT now. Like, honest to God, it's probably the best thing for him. <laughs> and if there's any part of it that was him, like, saying, hey, look, I got way too much on my plate. <laughs> Can you take, you know, trying to negotiate with Mojo Raleigh off off, the, <laughs> off my plate? I'd be a thousand percent in favor of that and understand that. But uh, to your point, yes, it's not all going to be a utopia once, uh, if and when uh, he, ever, he ever gets the book. Well, uh, good things coming out of WrestleMania. I thought... Charlotte and Rhea Ripley had a good match. I thought Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins had a really good match. Uh, of the two, I think those are probably the two strongest contenders for a match of WrestleMania weekend. Uh, which of the two did you like more? That's a good question. I would agree they were both very good matches. Uh, I would go Charlotte and Rhea a little bit. Maybe because I had lower expectations for that one. Yeah. Um, I think we talked about it a little bit on the show last week. I thought not. I thought in front of a crowd, this could be really good. Without a crowd, this ain't going to be very good. And mm-hmm. they proved they very easily proved me wrong. And uh, just I thought they had as certainly they had the best women's match of that weekend. And yeah, definitely it's I think it's one and one a with that and the uh, the Owens match, which was. You know, it was also great, and you had the great big stunt ending with him jumping off the sign like a crazy person. Imagine taking bumps like that on a <laughs> show with no fans in an empty gymnasium. <laughs> like, all right, I, I do want to say I do want to talk about that bump for a second. Like, he sure. climbed he he climbed up that sign, and I was like, ah, that's not really that high. And then he jumped off, and like he started flailing as he was <laughs> falling, and I'm like. Actually, that was really, really high. <laughs> yeah, you jump and all of a sudden you hear the slide whistle going. <laughs> right. Yes. It's like, wow, he's gravity is really getting a chance to work its magic here. <laughs> Gra- gravity is really showing what it can do. You know, it's this 280-pound guy or 300-pound guy flying through the air. But I did think there was a cra- there was a an airbag under the table. I don't know. Okay. I mean awesome if so good they should do that all the time but either way i mean he was kind of limping from that spot and fell a long way so 
that was absolutely crazy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, Becky Lynch beat Shayna. They did it in a way that Shayna has an out, but I did not think this bodes very well for Shayna's future. Well, to me, it's like it's like it's what they do when they have a baby face. They're going to put over like Samoa Joe. Yeah. Like, and they want to do three matches, and right. the babyface is going to win all of them. But the first <laughs> one, the babyface will win by like by the, the quick pin. And then right. maybe like they'll do a DQ next time, and then they'll set up the third match with the babyface will also win. It remind, yeah, that's what it felt like to me. Like this is the first match of a Joe program where he's <laughs> he's going to be the challenger for a while, so we can't just out and out beat him right away or her. Obviously, being Shayna in this case, but uh, we're also you know, we also want to make it clear who who is better and more important. Right, which. Honestly, I don't really have a problem with. I think there's way more money in Becky Lynch than there is in Shayna Baszler, but also Becky's run through the everybody. <laughs> I was just saying, what are we? What are we excited for now? Becky and Nia. <laughs> well, you know that's what we're gonna get, right? So. Well, yeah. I mean, well, and that honestly makes sense because Nia broke her face a year and a half ago, and they never really paid that <laughs> off. Right. Yeah. So it does make sense that they should have a program at some point, but. Right. From a narrative standpoint, I think there was there was in, there would have been more interesting to me to have Becky lose and have her Rocky Three moment and then have to sort of regain everything that she had lost. I think there's that's an interesting story, but to be fair, we've just spent a long time talking about how they can't book a babyface, and I do appreciate at least on the surface level that <laughs> she just wins all the time. Like there's something kind of nice about that, even if it's not always done in the execution that I would like. Sure. Yep. And Daniel Bryan beat the absolute piss out of Sami Zayn <laughs> in the, in their match at WrestleMania, where Sami wrestled like a manager. Like he's yes. a ma- he's a manager now, so he wrestled that match like a manager. But it's very strange to see Daniel Bryan and Sami Zayn wrestle, <laughs> and see Sami Zayn wrestling like Jimmy Hart. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I hope they do a what's what's a, a goat suit what's the equivalent of like a weasel suit match in, in twenty twenty that they could do? Uh, a goat uh, suit? Yeah, probably. I don't know. Yeah, that's I don't know. That was yeah, up. that was bizarre. It was very like I thought I was like, Sammy Zane owe Daniel Bryan money or something? <laughs> like Daniel Bryan is hurting this man. Yeah. He hauled off and like punched him in the face one time. Like mm-hmm. he they were down on the mat, and Brian was, like, kneeling on his chest and just punched him in the face as hard as he could. I'm like, what is, what is going on here? Yeah, that's, yeah, there's that real vicious, like, hard, couple of really hard slaps in the corner. Yeah. And I was yeah, like, yeah. oh. And part of it, I'm sure, is Daniel Bryan being like, well, there's no fans here, so I got to, and everybody hit pretty hard. Oh, yeah, yeah. On, up and down the show, and I think it was, I want to say it was Xavier Woods or someone was like, just so it's clear, everything that happens on this show has to hurt ten times worse than it normally would because right. of where it's taking place. Yeah. Like so I appreciate some of that, but there was also just there was a little extra <laughs> little extra oomph behind uh, Daniel Bryan's strikes towards Sami Zayn. So yeah, I don't I don't know if 
if, <laughs> if that was just like, well, we got to make it look real. Or if that was like Daniel Bryan was upset <laughs> about right. something. But either way, I mean, it was very compelling television one way or the other. Yeah. That's one thing about like these empty arena matches where they're clearly like the better matches people ratchet up the intensity there's more like talking between you know trash talking between the participants Mm -hmm. in the match you're hitting each other harder not only like is it like bothersome when they hit each other hard for real but also like you don't have the adrenaline of the getting the rush from the crowd (laughs) of like getting a crowd reaction you don't have any adrenaline going (laughs) so like yeah that probably actually really hurts a lot <laughs> i would bet yeah yeah there's stuff in that there's some it was the best chops that charlotte's ever thrown and that's because she was actually just hitting her in the chest as hard as she could but uh they were yeah just up and down the show people were just just tearing into each other and yeah. except for ziggler and uh Otis, who literally just had the match that they would have in front of a crowd, complete with rest holds. Um, but yeah, every but most other people on the show was their way of, especially as you mentioned, like Asuka and Kyrie were, of course, were very good at providing their own their own crowd reactions. Yes, um, by being themselves, and uh, yeah. The, yeah, I, I would agree that the, the most compelling performances were definitely the people who tried to think a little outside the box on this stuff. Yeah. Just want to mention real quick, too, uh, talking about Charlotte's match reminded me they played a promo that she cut after winning her match at WrestleMania. They pl- replayed the promo on Raw and on NXT this week. It was clearly not scripted, and it was mm-hmm. the, be- the best promo Charlotte has ever cut. <laughs> She actually sounded like a human being talking. She's like, when I was a kid, my dad had custom cars and custom suits and said, you know, people think uh, the title makes the man or the woman, but no, it's the man or the woman that makes the title. It's like, it was the best she's ever done uh, on the microphone. And it was because they didn't give her a ridiculous amount of lines to uh, to, re- to recite. So. How about that? Interesting. Uh, AEW this week, I w- I had a feeling of dread as the show was going on. I just didn't, wasn't liking it. And then I wrote everything down, and it's like actually there was really not all anything all that bad on this show. <laughs> it's it's just like Matt, the Matt Hardy thing doesn't fit for me. John Moxley and Jack Swagger doesn't do anything for me. There's there's good stuff going on, but also they're not really building towards anything now because they can't. So I I don't know what we're doing. We're kill, we're we're killing a lot of time. Kenny Omega. I did not like the Kenny Omega match this week. The DDT like, tag. Yeah, it's like it's not because it was a comedy match because I love comedy matches. It was that it was like a comedy match that went through eight commercial breaks. <laughs> Yeah, like, also, I don't know, call me old-fashioned, but, like, comedy matches I don't need, like, package pile drivers getting kicked out of and stuff. <laughs> it was and, like, really 85 weird. near falls. Like, I mean, you got, like, Colt Cabana working there and Nakazawa and Trent and Chuck are funny and Ars Cassie. Like, you've got some very talented, like, comedic-type characters that I think could make a really fun, like, comedy match or even a comedy tag. 
And right. I know Kenny has that in his roots because of where he broke in and all that. But it's like they were like trying to mesh that wacky DDT <laughs> style with a like a modern, you know, North American tag team near fall, yeah. near fall, big move match. And it just that's yeah. not those things don't go together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was weird. Uh, Jericho and Tony Schwani were pretty funny on commentary, though. I got to give them that. Uh, when he, whenever he started talking about how Jericho started talking about how he'll cut somebody with a fork, yes, and how he has brass knuckles and forks and knives in his boots at all times, <laughs> yes, I thought that was very funny. Um, uh, Hikaru Shida and uh, Britt Baker, Doctor Britt Baker, tried to murder each other, and yeah. uh, Shida was very nearly successful based on how much Doctor Britt uh, bled. But I thought they had a really good match as a result. Yeah, that was another one, though, where I was wondering, like, is there some kind of personal issue here Yeah, <laughs> in real life? Because they, they they beat the hell out of each other. Yes, this was like this was like worse than Sasha Banks and Alexa Bliss, which is like the only <laughs> other like nationally televised, like closest thing to a shoot fight between two women I've seen on North American pro wrestling in a while. It's the, it's the best matches Bliss ever had, though. That's true. And it's, oh, oh, wow, these punch, punches look good. Oh, they're really punching each other. That's why. Uh, and that's kind of what it was. It was like they were just, they were hitting each other real hard. They were throwing each other around. They were work, and they were worked really hard. And as a result, it was a very good, compelling match. And I was like, wow, I'm, I hope they, I hope they wrestle again. Like that was my, I think that was probably easily my favorite part of Dynamite, but geez, that was, that was a lot of blood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was disturbing. Uh, so AEW has a couple of months in the can. WWE's taping this week. Somehow they're getting around the stay at home order, even though they're not in the central business somehow. I don't know how, um, Probably helps that when you're friends with the president, your wife used to be in his cabinet. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably probably part of it. Uh, I guess we'll see what happens on SmackDown, where that goes. I don't know. They didn't really set up any any challengers for Drew on Raw, and uh, no idea what's what's up for Braun. No idea who's going to be able to make it into these tapings. How long they'll tape for, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I hope it turns out on SmackDown that Big Show also came out to challenge Braun <laughs> at WrestleMania, and we just didn't find out about it until now. That would be awesome. And uh, speaking of Big Show, I know uh, before we wrap up here, uh, you watched the Big Show show. Man, Paul White's getting a lot of run this week. He sure is, and. Look, I will say, going into what I found out once I started watching it is a TVG-rated Netflix sitcom starring the big show as himself. Yeah. It's not as bad as you would think. (laughs) Okay. Um, It's not good, (laughs) but I imagine if you like pro wrestling and you had small children, I can imagine there being worse things for you to watch. Okay. Um, uh, the my main my my two takeaways from it, as far as the good, is um his name on the show is the Big Show. <laughs> his wife calls him Show. All right. Um, so he's not Paul White, former 
wrestler the big show his name is the big show legally on the show which i think is very funny first name the middle name big last name show that's what i'm thinking yes all right and uh, my other uh, favorite part is that I'm pretty sure wrestling is real on the show. Awesome. So uh, that's good. I, I didn't watch it. There's apparently an episode later on where they go on a a cruise, a wrestling cruise, mm. and Rikishi, Mick Foley, and Mark Henry guest star. Nice. So really, that's probably the one to check out if you're like a wrestling fan. But uh, I don't know. Like I said, it wasn't it wasn't good, but I could imagine it being a fine source of entertainment for a wrestling fan with young children. So I give it a quarter of one thumb up. (laughs) Give it the Orange Cassidy thumbs up. (laughs) Tremendous. All right. Well, I think um, as far as topical stuff, unless anything big happens, there's probably not going to be a topical show next week. As we mentioned last week, we are working on this Macho Man tournament. We might have some evergreen stuff ready to put out next week. It might be two weeks from now. I'm not sure, but that's just kind of how things are going here. Liam continues to is an essential worker and continues to work on the front lines uh, as this global pandemic still is going on. You could say I'm braver than the troops. I mean, I oh, wouldn't say question. that, but you could. You could say <laughs> that I am braver than the troops. If people come up to you and they bump, bump your elbow and with tears in their eyes. And they think... Take strong motorcycle men come up to me. Firemen with <laughs> tears in their eyes come up to me and they say, thank you for what you're doing. Yes. And we were afraid to say thank you for what you're doing before you came around. But now that you're here, I just want to thank you. You know, it happens to me all the time. Yeah. So good for you. And uh, I'm continuing uh, to work uh, out of the house <laughs> and uh, rarely leaving the house except occasionally to go to Target or the convenience store. And uh, that will also continue. No, no New Japan through like May 3rd. And uh, just as we were recording here, Money in the Bank was canceled, at least for, for, uh, for Baltimore in May. So, eh. I don't know. Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot going on here for the next month, other than uh, keep on keeping on. So, uh, hope everybody's doing okay out there. And uh, is there anything else you'd like to get into this week, Liam? No, I think that's that's about it. Hey, if if you have a little extra money in your pocket, maybe maybe look around for a charity that's helping out and donate to that. I've <laughs> I've mentioned this before, but when I'm having a bad week, I I try to if I have if I am financially able to do so, give a little money to charity. I gave some money to Meals on Wheels this week because I was feeling down. And, you know, if you, it, the best thing you can do right now if you can't physically go out and help people and is just, you know, find a small way or, or a small donation or something to go out and help help make the world a little bit of a better place. There's my, uh, there's my soapbox for the week. And Lincoln would also like for you to vote for Joe Biden. <sighs> you know... <laughs> I, hmm? I don't. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to talk about it, man. Okay. All right. Uh, say a prayer for Liam. He's having a difficult week with Bernie Sanders dropping out of the presidential race. That's right. All right, everybody. First, the sassy Southern Belle lost at WrestleMania, <laughs> and now the sassy Southern Belle Bernie Sanders has lost the president his presidential bid. It's been a bad week for the sassy Southern Bells. That's right. All right, everybody. Till next time. I'm Ethan. I'm Liam. We'll be back soon with more stories from the wrestling life. 
Goodbye. For listening, don't forget to leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Now, here are this week's bonus features. Well, there you go. How do you feel about the, the sassy Southern Belle Bernie Sanders dropping on the presidential race? Not great, Bob. <laughs> I mean, it's it was time. Like it wasn't it wasn't gonna happen. So he <laughs> like I, I think I may have said this a few weeks ago, so apologies if I'm repeating myself on the bonus features, but um yeah, I mean I, it felt like for a minute there <laughs> like uh maybe we'd get to take two or three steps forward this time and uh well it uh didn't happen and i'm unhappy and a little bit angry about it all but i like to think that uh all this was not just about him and that people will the same people who are excited about him this time will continue to grow and not to be morbid, but uh, he handily, handily won uh, what one could call the future of the Democratic Party, um, meaning that as they sort of age up into larger, more important voting blocks, hopefully their beliefs will stay consistent with what Bernie ran on. And, you know, this hopefully this is just the beginning. But, yeah, it's, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't pretty freaking depressing i kept thinking about your your joke about the centrist rally <laughs> yesterday yeah better things better are not things. possible yeah that's right <laughs> my, my other favorite one i saw this week i think it was the boat account was like uh you know say what you will about hillary clinton but at least her supporters liked her <laughs> uh and boy i'm I'm finding hard, hard, especially as someone who does not live in any sort of anything resembling a swing state, uh, <laughs> to find a compelling reason why I should write, you know, Joe Biden's name into the column on election day. But hey, <laughs> he's gonna lower Medicare to sixty. Hmm. That was literally there was an article in the New York Times today that was like the his first big overtures towards the Sanders camp were lowering was lowering the Medicare age to 60, which is higher than what Hillary Clinton promised to lower it to in 2016. <laughs> and also that he would forgive some student debt. So, well, I mean, he's not going to win. So <laughs> probably not. No. And then, We'll have another four years of people blaming Bernie for him losing somehow. So that that I don't get. Uh, it's a primary, like, and he was trying to win, so he spent a lot of time pointing out why Joe Biden 
was a bad candidate for president, just as everyone that suddenly dropped out on the same day to endorse Joe Biden did <laughs> prior to dropping out and endorsing him did. Like, yeah, I think almost everybody knew it was a bad idea, but hey. Anyone with eyeballs can see that Joe Biden's a bad candidate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and despite the narrative being that, like, Bernie didn't turn out support, like, youth vote turnout was up. It's just that older people came out in even greater numbers to vote for Joe Biden. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard. Bet- it's... The, so the, frustrating. The, the bitter clingers. <laughs> they're, yes. they're, they're bitter and they're clinging on to whatever they have and know, which is not change. <laughs> and it's status quo. And it's people that, for the most part, their biggest problems with Donald Trump is that he's rude. <laughs> it's not so much his policies that bother them. Uh, it's just that he's mean. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, I mean, he doesn't have a consistent ideology. That <laughs> that makes it kind of difficult to attack him in one. Sure, one I mean there, I mean there are things you can point out, and like, I mean, the child separation thing was yeah. done under him. Yeah, like there, there were still kids in cages when Obama was president, but like the family separation stuff was. Absolutely, Trump directed. Civilian casualties in the Middle East have absolutely gone up since Donald Trump has been president. Like these are things you could point to, but there are also things that, for better or worse, most people can't be bothered to give a crap about. Right, right, right. So, uh, yeah, that's like there are ways to point out that yes, he is categorically worse than the guy who came before him or the status quo that was before. Right. But no. The idea that the big selling point is we just need to turn the clock back to November 8, 2016 is uh, a little <laughs> a little frustrating for, you know, everyone else that lived in that world that isn't a rich white liberal. I try to keep on keeping on.